Well, hello again and welcome back. I'm Jessica and it's so good to be with you with Ryan and Isaac in case you missed our intros at the beginning. I'm on Facebook Live, so I'll be monitoring those comments. We also have our online hosts though. And Isaac, you're on. I'm on the uh, online campus, crossroadscolorado.com slash live if you wanna go check that out. Yes, and, and we look forward to interacting with you and that's part of why we value coming here live. Um, so be sure to share it with your friends. Not everybody has a place where they know to watch or find hope this morning. So share our broadcast this morning. Also, go ahead and sh tell us where you're watching from. Absolutely. Make yeah. sure you take that picture. Take, take a photo of where take, you're watching from. Take a jazzercise picture or a family picture. Yes. And family. send it a to... A video that says, we are family or yeah. welcome to Crossroads. Absolutely. And send it to family at crossroadscolorado.com. Yes. Family at crossroadscolorado.com. Colorado.com. And I just want to say special welcome and good morning to Stacy, Rhonda, Shelly, Josh. Josh is actually in the room with us, us five. <laughs> That's but right. Anyway, um, Heidi Morgan, welcome. Kara, welcome. So glad to be with you. Kelly Smith, it's going to be a great day. Awesome. What do we have going on over on the campus, the online campus? There's a lot of good, fun chat. Everybody's missing each other. You can tell because there's a lot of good mornings and I miss you and I can't wait to see you again. You know, uh, virtual hugs happening here. Uh, Those are the best kind. Yeah, Debbie, man. <laughs> For people who love hugs like you, the virtual hug is probably your favorite. Uh, uh, Debbie, Matthew, Sue, Lori, Greg and Sherry, Connie, Aisha, Dennis, We've got Catherine, Ken. Man, there's a lot of people awesome. on here. Nice. A lot of people. So good it's to good have to everybody with us live as we gather in our homes uh, with family, uh, really all over northern Colorado, around the country, maybe even some friends from around the world. So, uh, hey, listen, if you don't have your Hope is Here sticker, whatever platform you're on and you would like to get one of those, just send $100 and we will. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's my best like TV evangelist. Sow a seed for hope. Uh, no, listen, if you want your Hope is Here sticker, for it's a vinyl sticker, can go on your vehicle. Uh, can go on uh, your well, window on your house. Uh, let people know that, that your home is a place of hope. Uh, if you'd like one of these stickers, just put a comment in the... Uh, um in, in whatever platform you're on, say, hey, I want a sticker, and our host will make sure to get that information from you, and we'll do our best to mail one of those out here in the coming weeks um, as we uh, do some mailers and things like that. But yeah, so it's been crazy, huh? A little bit, a little bit. It is wild. I thought, uh, you know, I don't know about the rest of you in the room, but uh, I'm one of those raging extroverts that, that you should check on. <laughs> I'm a raging expert. Yeah, you know, I think Jess and I get this, but there was a moment this week where a friend of mine ran past my house. You know, he was out for a run, and I, I sprinted out the door because I saw him, and and like stopped at the edge of the of the uh, deck. You know, our our porch. I was like, Mark, and I started yelling at him, and and he turned around and came back and stayed down on the the sidewalk, and we had this little interaction for a little while, and I was like, ha. Huh. I miss people, you know, so it's been a little bit of a crazy yeah. moment for me in our house. But. How are you guys navigating like small kids and now you're thrust into the world of homeschooling and all that crazy stuff? You know, in our house, what helps about being a raging extrovert is us five and having school, you know, an elementary school kid, two middle school kids, 
I'm getting my extrovertness on, <laughs> right? Yeah. What is the, we play, they're gonna be, they're watching right now. What is the basketball game where you shoot? Pop a shot. No. Oh. Knockout? Knockout, yeah. I won knockout last oh, night. Nice. So oh, actually we're having a we're having a good time together. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Staying chill and relaxed. Yes. Yeah. We had um a guy in our neighborhood had one of those inflatable dinosaur suits. <laughs> And two days ago, two day, no, I thought I would have loved to have done it, but I don't have one. But two days ago, he went just ro roaming around the neighborhood as a dinosaur. Oh. People caught <laughs> that it. Was so awesome. he went onto our Facebook group and said, I'm going to go back out at one o'clock if any kids need a visit. And so there were like two of them out there in their dinosaurs. Like, and they said, one o'clock, we're going to be around. And they were, and so like we got pictures of them going around the neighborhood. And so it is kind of funny. I'd, I'd love to hear some fun stories there from people. There are ways to like yeah. just spread joy from afar and make people smile and laugh. A dinosaur I love suit, it. doesn't that also double as a hazmat suit? I think so, absolutely, <laughs> totally, 100%. Uh, we're gonna start a conversation here this morning around uh, in our new series, The Family Practice. And what we're doing for the next, really, I think eight weeks in this setting is what are some practices, some things that we can do to survive the ones we're stuck with? Um, and before we kind of jump into it, let me first of all talk to those of you who are in kind of this quarantine situation and you're by yourself um, and you would actually love to be stuck with someone. We're praying for you. We know that can be really challenging. And I just want to encourage you to take advantage of ways to stay connected. If you are uh, kind of in a situation where you're at a stay at home by yourself, you kind of live alone, uh, make sure that you jump into one of our connect groups, send an email to uh, myself, uh, rhowell at crosswoodscolorado.com, go to the website um, and take advantage of the different things that we have going on throughout the week, the drops of hope, the check-ins, we've got Zoom uh, meetings taking place, like just connect groups all around. So if you are home by yourself, uh, just do make sure that you take uh, good care of yourself and jump in on those uh, on those really resources that are available to you. Um, listen, go over to uh, crossroadscolorado.com resources right now, and you can pick up your uh, conversation notes if you want to do some fill-ins there in your house. I know a lot of folks love the fill-ins. A lot of folks hate them, but uh, it's okay. Our anchor verse for this series, which is one I want to encourage everybody to memorize, which I think is super timely. Uh, it says, love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance every circumstance, even these crazy circumstances that we're in. So that's a good one to kind of put to uh, memory, uh, maybe memorize it with your kids, memorize it with your spouse, your partner, and uh, just remember, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And really the, the family practice series is based around these, around these first seven, eight verses in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you are tuning in and you're kind of new to this whole Bible study or faith thing, all the scripture verses that we're gonna talk about are either on these talk notes that you can download. They'll be up on the screen here next to me. And uh, we hope that you're able to connect no matter what your kind of Bible church kind of background is. We are glad that you're with us today. And we're gonna start talking about trust. Ooh. Anybody Sounds... got trust issues? Uh, yeah. Trust issues? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Trust is an interesting thing. I, I just, I got an email, a, a text. I saw it late last night, so I apologize. I haven't responded, but I will. Somebody in our church um, just wanted to talk about that. Just bringing up like this reality that trusting is hard. It's 
hard to trust people. It's hard to trust God. Um, this sense that like, I just feel like maybe God's going to pull the rug out from under me at any given point in time. And we kind of read an article together to kind of get ready for our conversation. I'd love to get your like feedback and input on this article. Um, and if you want to kind of look at this article later on, it's called The Trouble with Trust. The URL's on your talk notes there. Um, it's on uh, Psychology Today. But I, I just thought it was really interesting how this article really talks about what is the trouble with trust and that we all have different propensities for trust. Some of us are more trusting, some of us are less trusting, and it really goes back to our experiences when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Early childhood. Yeah. Right. The, the writer of this article talks about how our ability to trust each other is formed in our earliest years and if our basic needs are being met by caregivers. Yeah. And that was interesting to me because now as adults, all of us drive down the street, board airplanes, and have to have a certain amount of trust that yeah. people are gonna come through for us. Yeah. Not just in that way, but then in our workplaces, in our families, mm -hmm. but in those earliest developmental years, we learn to trust people or not. Yeah, and it happens almost unconsciously, it said. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you had any thoughts on the article, Isaac. I love the article. I, I, I was grateful to, to read through it and realize, and, and I, I guess I kind of knew this at some point in the past, but to, to re-realize and understand that, that the way that I trust, the way that I carry about trusting other people is different than you or Jess. And, and for the two of you, the way that you look at it is different than the way that I do. And, and so there was a lot of great perspective given throughout this article, because I think too often we, we fall into the, the, that lie that my perspective is, is reality, that mm. my perspective is truth. And that there is some truth in that. It, is there, my perspective is my reality for sure, but I need to realize, and I, that's what this article helped me to see, is the, the way other people were brought up, the way that other people have had trials and tribulations throughout their life affects the way they trust today. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated that about the article. Yeah, and, and it really is interesting how the basic premise is, if you are a trusting person, it's because early on in life, when you would have a caregiver, if you needed help, they would give you help. Right. And if you needed support, the caregiver was there for you, giving you the support and you felt comforted and relieved by it. Right. Mm -hmm. That that interaction with that person, you needed them for something. They were there for you and it happened. And so that just kind of creates this automatic what the article calls a secure base script for yeah. trust. So I subconsciously have this. I, I evolve. I, I mature into this person who says, well, if I need help and I ask, I'll get it. Right. And I have a close person and that's what they're there for. That's what they want to do. And I started thinking about trust in terms of God, because what I'm hearing now all over the place. And I just like sometimes I want to just poke my eyeballs out because it's so <laughs> frustrating is it's just we got to trust God. You just got to trust God, Isaac. Mm -hmm. You got to trust God, Jess, in the middle of all this. And, and it's almost what I like to call disembodied scriptures. Right. They just the, the I'm going to put a scripture verse up on my Facebook feed or my Instagram. And I'm and, and it's just it's all this fear not for I am with you. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and and while I think those are hope filled passages, when we take scripture and we disembody them from a person with experience and we just throw it out there, it can be it can almost feel like I'm a, I'm 
I'm a horrible person. Like, I don't know if I trust God. I read another article this week um, where the person, the author said, I, I, I believe in God, but I don't know that I believe God. Hmm. Right? And, and like working through a faith that kind of transitions from, I, I believe in God. I believe that God exists. I believe that God is present, that God is ultimately good. But I don't know that I believe in God because of the way I think. And so I started thinking about that and given the research around like our ability to trust is based upon these early experiences in life. And I would imagine that it's the same is true with God, right? That our inability to trust God or our ability to trust God may be more a reflection of our experiences with God's people than our actual experiences with God, right? If I grew up in a healthy, uh, spiritually healthy environment that had a a healthy understanding, a mature understanding of God as love, um, of what it meant to put trust in God in a healthy way, then I would be more prone to trust that God is present. But if I grew up in an environment that was highly legalistic, if I grew up in an abusive environment where people who I thought were supposed to represent God, um, who were actually maybe misrepresenting God, then I'm going to have that kind of mentality that's a little bit backwards. And I'm going to have this inability to just put my trust in God because the person who said that they were a representative of God, they were, they abused me or they let me down all the time. And because trust is this thing that is accomplished based on a, almost a transaction, even with a caregiver, right? Like I need this, you provide it for me. Now I can trust you. Trust becomes a commodity that we broker in our lives. And it's usually because we have this desire for something, right? Like I have a desire for something from you. I need, I need this from my caregiver. I need this from my friend. I need this from God. And when that happens, great, you've earned my trust. I'll give it to you. It's a, it's a brokered kind of experience. And I think one of the down sides of that is we create a culture of contract rather than companionship mm-hmm. that trust isn't all equal. Like I have a, I have a, I have a contract with an airline, right? When I get on, like I have a trust contract that the pilot has gone through the certification, that the pilot is not abusing substances, <laughs> that the pilot has gone through their checklist, right? And so it, there's very contractual. And that's something different, I think, than when we talk about trust in God. It has to be more, more than a transaction, which I think is why we love our pets. Mm. Do you have pets? Yes, two little dogs. Pets? Yes. Do you love all your pets? <laughs> I asked that question because I know it's not true. I love, no. I love people. Love people. And, we have a dog. It, by having pets, it helps my people love yeah. me more. So. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, we, we have these pets and pets become part of our families, but they're not contractual, right? It's not like I say to my dog, do this, do this, do this, and then I will care for you and you'll care for me. Right. But there's a companionship side there. There's a presence there. It's something different. And so... I think if we, don't, if we don't figure out how to think about trust, especially divine trust, maybe we could call it biblical trust in a different way, um, we're going to constantly be beating ourselves up and constantly trying to promote something that maybe we can never live up to when we, we start, oh, I want to trust God for. And that's what we think about. Oh, I'm trusting God for a job. I'm trusting God for a spouse. I'm trusting God for children. But I wonder if we can make a transition from to trusting God for things to trusting God with things. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I was thinking about this language even today, like, 
who would I trust my kids with? Mm. Right, when they were little. Right. You know, and I was, I had a pretty broad spectrum on that one. I was like, you want to take my kids? Great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when, when mine were babies, sometimes I ran in during the closing prayer and just found somebody on the end and handed my baby <laughs> off right. and they did the song. You feel pretty safe. You're here at church, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll just keep my eye on him over there while I do this song. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like we have things that are of value to us that we would trust with people. Like we would, if we if we ever go out of town, we might ask people to house sit or dog sit. And and I'm saying I trust you with something, and that's really where I wonder there isn't a good flip of the script for us from a soul care perspective is to start saying, well, what could we trust God with hmm. instead of trust God for? Well, and the writer talks about bringing it into your conscious awareness. Yes. Yeah. So when, so it's not anybody's fault if they didn't have that. Yeah. Basic needs being met by their caregivers as a young child. But as we get older and have healthy relationships and healthy homes, we may have to bring conscious awareness yeah. to what's my gut go to. Yeah. But then also as parents, I'm... I'm thankful to read this article while I still have children in the house and to want to, you know, build their trust as yeah. children now. And building a, build a trusting person, mm-hmm. right? Build, it, it's interesting. Build a trusting person. Just, you made me think like, this is especially common in folks that have, have had the, have gone through a divorce mm. is we oftentimes when we counsel and work with people who are entering into a second marriage, mm-hmm having to break the script and bring to conscious awareness that the person you're marrying is not the person you married. And so oftentimes we have these like unconscious, like we just make assumptions that, oh, I can't trust this person in this area because I couldn't trust my other spouse in this area. And I love what the author says, because our mental representations are automatic and not consciously perceived, we can combat their effect on how we interpret events and actions by bringing them into conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. If you have trouble trusting people, it may be helpful for you to focus on what you're bringing to the party. I love that, right? And that's what we want to talk about is what are we bringing to the party when it comes to our trust in God and trust in others? And I want to do that by looking at a psalm. So if you're new to Bible study, the book of Psalms is found in the first part of the Bible. We call it the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew scriptures. Old is not meant to be pejorative or bad. Uh, It just is the, it's the, it's the story, the backstory of Jesus. In a sense, it's the backstory of those that are part of what has become known as the Christian faith. And the Psalms are actually songs. They're poems, poetry, a huge book of poetry that was written, a lot of it written and attributed to King David, uh, others not. And I wanted to look at one Psalm, Psalm 143 today, to see some things that David trusted God with in his language. And maybe his language even is is in the language of four, like believing that God will do certain things for him. But what is ultimately David trusting God with, right? And so the first thing we'll see is that David trusted God with his humility. And that's hard in this world, right? To trust people with my humility, meaning to be have a sense of vulnerability, to just know who I am. So I I love that David just trusted God. David said, hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. He doesn't say because I'm faithful and righteous. Mm -hmm. 
right? That's what we wanna do. We wanna live in this world. This is, well, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm a good person, God. Like I, I've never murdered anybody. I've never cheated on my spouse. I, I, I've, never, I've never abused anybody. I never kicked a puppy, right? Like, don't, like I'm good, like hear my prayer. But, but David comes in all this humility and says, like answer me because you're faithful, because you're righteous. Don't put your servant on trial for no one is innocent before you. Like, I love that. He says, like, let's not look too closely at my life, God. I, there, I'm not gonna be innocent. I don't have to play this game of like, I'm perfect, that I never ever made a mistake, that I'm worthy of your attention, God. Like he just comes and brings that humility and trust God with it. That's a hard, that's a hard place for us in this world and, and, and in the world we live in here in America where it's a prove it state, a prove it opportunity oh, yeah. to... Like, let me show you how good I am mm-hmm. uh, at every function. So for us to say, because you are faithful and righteous, like that's hard for us even to get to that space because it's all about me trying to show how good I am. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, be invited into this posture of humility and like, I don't have to pretend or earn with this God that is love, right? Second thing we'll see is that David trusted God with his honesty. Right? A lot of times we are dishonest with ourselves. We try to, to not be honest with God. We, we try to say, well, I'm not afraid when we're actually afraid. Or, um, and, and I love, he says, my enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground, forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I mean, we have our hope is here sticker, right? I mean, yeah. are we actually allowed to say I'm losing all hope? I, David seems to say, yes, we are. Like, we are, yeah, we want to be hope. Undoubtedly, orange dots of hope, everybody that we are. But that doesn't mean we don't come to moments in our lives where our circumstances pile up and we feel like hope is not here. <laughs> hope is there. Go to the neighbor's house, right? Mm-hmm. Go to somebody. But, but I love that David's just honest and he doesn't think that God is gonna be punitive with him for that honesty. And, and then he even goes like further and says, I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you've done. It's almost like he's saying, where are you? Like, I remember all these things. I'm here, I'm tired of hearing all the stories about the great things you've done. I think about it. And so, but where are you right now? Like, I need you to be present with me in my circumstances. And then he honest, and the honesty comes out. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. He says, come quickly, Lord, and answer me for my depression deepens. Are we allowed to be depressed as people of faith? I mean, I thought that was a sin. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the way we think. Like our, this kind of crazy world of Western triumphantalism that makes us, well, if you go to church or if you follow Jesus or if you've said a prayer, or if you read your Bible or if you're remotely spiritual, then, and you can't be, you can't struggle with depression, right? You can't have anxiety because then you're just not putting your trust in God. But man, like David here, he's like living right in the middle of it. Like you, this could be any one of us, especially in this circumstance. He said, don't turn away from me or I will die, right? I mean, that gets pretty for real honest. Like, here's where I'm at. And I love that David trusted God with that. The next thing that David trusted God with, which is pretty cool, is his heart. Mm. And I, before we look at the next 
few verses of scripture, I want to ask the question, like, what was the heart to the ancient Hebrew? Because we have hearts. We live in Loveland, Colorado, right? It's the home of Sweet Valentine's Day. Sweetheart City. Did you know that? No, that's the actual name. Sweetheart, Sweetheart City. Sweetheart City. Right? So when we hear heart, that's what we think about, right? We think of Valentine's Day, emotion, but the heart was so much more than that uh, to the Hebrew, to David, who's writing this. So uh, to help us understand the heart, I've got a little video for you to watch. So check this out. Different cultures throughout history have had different conceptions of how the human body works, and this is also true of the ancient Israelite writers of the Bible. They knew that the heart was an organ in the chest that sustains life. There's mention of a heart attack in the Bible, Naval, whose heart died inside of him and he became like stone. But the biblical authors talk about the heart in many other ways that might seem strange to modern readers, and that's because these Israelites had no concept of the brain or any word for it. They imagined that all of a human's intellectual activity takes place in the heart. For example, you know with your heart in the Bible. Your heart is where you understand and make connections. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom dwells in the heart. And your heart is what you use to discern between truth and error, like Solomon did when he was king. So the heart is where you think and make sense of the world, and it's where you do more. In the Bible, the heart is where you feel emotions. You feel pain in your heart, like Hannah did when she couldn't have any children. In fact, the phrase, a broken heart, comes from ancient biblical Hebrew. You also experience fear in your heart. Your heart can melt or be distressed. Your heart can even be depressed. But then on the flip side, your heart is where you experience joy. In Hebrew, to be happy is to be good of heart or to have a heart of joy. So the heart is the generator of physical life. It's also the center of your intellectual and emotional life, and there's more. In biblical Hebrew, the heart is where you make choices motivated by your desires. So David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Your heart is where your affections are centered. They're called the desires of your heart. And if you really want something and go after it, it's like what Nathan said to David, whatever's in your heart, go and do it. So then, in the Bible, the heart is the center of all parts of human existence, as in the well-known proverb, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. Every day, God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Right, so the heart is a much bigger concept, right? It's not just the seat of my emotions. The heart is actually the controlling voice inside of not just us, but of humanity, right? Like it's that thing that guides us. So as we think about that, right, that concept of the heart, listen to what David asks of God and what David trusts God with it, his, the authority of his life, right? He says, let me hear of your unfailing love each morning for I am trusting you. And I love this. Show me where to walk for I give myself to you, right? I mean that when we talk about in our, in Protestant world, in especially kind of like those of us that are coming out of spiritual heritages of like charismatic renewal, maybe uh, where there's the kind of like, give your heart to Jesus, right? That's what this is. It's I give myself to you. Like 
every faculty that I have, every decision I make, all of the ways I'm trusting that with you. How I manage my finances, how I manage uh, my household, how I manage my entertainment, how all these things I, I give to God. I trust God with that. And he says, rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. To me, that's trusting God with your heart. If I'm saying, okay, you're going to protect me. Teach me to do your will. Again, that's the heart. For you are my God. I give you authority over the decisions that I make. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm rooting footing. Isn't that great? Like this is, this is like so hinting at what Jesus was bringing to us. This is such a foreshadowing of Jesus who comes and says, I'm giving you the spirit. And, and to, to, to commit ourselves to God is to be able to lean into the guidance and direction of the spirit of God that is present working in all things in this world. But what we do when we say, I give you my heart, I trust you with my life, we kind of go from our lane and we merge into this lane with God and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses all kinds of ways to direct us, to, to guide our paths, right? Holy Spirit uses people, wisdom, uses confirmations in our soul and our spirit. We'll use scripture sometimes, all these different ways. But we see David trusted God with his heart, right? And the last thing that David trusts God with is his healing, right? the victory, the ultimate reality of his life, right? That, that, that the pain, the suffering is not the end. He says, for the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, all my silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant, right? This is David's heart, right? I'm gonna trust you with my healing. I don't know how that's gonna happen. I don't know how it's gonna work out, but I'm gonna trust that the suffering that I'm experiencing right now, and suffering, as we've said, is just when we don't get our way. And there's degrees of suffering, right? To not be able to go out to our favorite restaurant, to not be able to go to work, that there's a measure of suffering to get sick, right? There's, a, there's suffering. There's lots of ways in which we suffer, right? And, and you could say whatever that is causing the suffering in your life is that foe, is that enemy, right? And so we say, okay, God, I'm, 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 I need you to silence that. I need you to silence that in me. And we trust God with our healing. And so here's the point, right? What, what I think I'm trying to get at here is what if we could shift our language to trusting God for certain things, which I think at times puts unrealistic expectations on God. Mm -hmm. And maybe is unnatural for some people to engage in. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm not, they I, don't naturally, consciously yeah. enter into that. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, but what if, if I... Yeah. You see it being more natural than others and people go, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, so if I'm supposed to trust God for my mm -hmm. job, like... What does that mean for somebody who's, you know, and if, and if we're not careful, we use this kind of language that people unconsciously or subconsciously are like, I don't even know what to do with that. So if we shift to saying, trusting God is about trusting God with things rather than for, I think it opens up our souls to a new way of living, right? A new way of seeing. And now we can recognize God's faithfulness and, and see it in the unexpected ways, right? Yeah. So, and it's, and it's really difficult when you think about, you used the term transactional earlier um, in talking about th this mindset of God and, and a relationship. And I'd say for me, the struggle often had been, and probably still is at, some, at a lot of levels, this transactional idea of faith that if I do this, like I follow the rules, whatever those rules are, if I follow those, God will then bless me, show up, be a part of my life. And therefore I can trust him. Yeah. But what happens when I 
follow the rules to a T and stuff still goes bad. And then that affects the way I trust as yeah. opposed to, and I'm, I'm living with that transactional mindset. I'm living into the idea of, you know, trusting God for, yeah. because I did this, I'm trusting you to do this for me. I'm trusting you for my faith and, and I'm trying to earn it as opposed to accepting it and trusting God with my experiences and allow my, my life to be the God's faithfulness and unexpected ways to experience and recognize that in a whole different way. Yeah. And I just, I just don't know that we have gotten like off the rails with our understanding and our like living into life with God. Um, I, that's why I think the challenge is, is like this having this shift to say, like we've, we've such made God into a product, right? Almost like a cleaning product. Like you just, there's like this infomercial for a God who will do this and will do this and will do this and will do this if you do this. When we need something. When we need something, right? Yep. But it seems to me that the invitation in scripture and especially with Jesus and the invitation that kind of confer, like in my heart, like living out is companionship is like, this is not a God who comes and ends our suffering. That's not how God reveals love. That's not what Jesus did, right? Jesus didn't come and end the suffering of the world. Jesus came and took on the suffering of the world, participated with us in our suffering. And so this to me is like a game changer. Like I, I'm trusting God with my future. I'm trusting God. And, I'm, and I'm, this brings this assumption that God is present in it, right? And so we take this kind of like reality of, you know, this big concept and principle of trust. So what about now in my everyday shelter in place life, right? <laughs> That's what we're in. So what can we do? Uh, and so just a couple of really, hopefully somewhat practical things. The first one might seem like super cheesy churchy, right? Like just the obvious answer. Mm -hmm. But it, I think the, it's, it's super important and it's what David was going through, what he was experiencing in Psalm 143 is this practice of authentic prayer that during this shelter in place time, we practice trusting God by practicing authentic prayer in the middle of difficult circumstances. Don't sugarcoat your feelings, right? Don't sugarcoat them. Bring to God those things that you can trust God with. And sometimes that's like actually just, okay, I'm gonna make a list of these things and I'm going to just tell God, God, I'm trusting this into your hands. I'm trusting you with my future employment. I'm trusting you with my mortgage and my rent. I'm trusting you with these things. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm giving up my responsibility to look for work, to, to do whatever it might be, to care for my children. Like I can't just say, well, I, I'm, I'm trusting you with my family and then neglect them, right? I'm trusting that your spirit will guide me in the ways of wisdom and truth and bring people into my life. So I think when it comes to trusting God, fundamentally, daily, in this season, hands down, be authentic, like hit the pause button and pray. I think even like I remember the days of old, like, God, I want to go back to soccer season. Mm. It's okay to be praying. Yeah. Like we remember and long for things that were just so part of normal everyday life. Yeah, that's that good. Is not there now. That's good. So that's practicing trusting God. Let's talk about our family, like how do we practice trust in one another? And so I wanna encourage you to do an emotional trust fall, right? Um, we could do a real trust fall to illustrate it right now, but we have to stay six feet away from one another. Yeah. So it would be counterproductive. Ultimate slow-mo <laughs> video. Ultimate, be a trust break. Trust is what it'd break, be. <laughs> right? Um, 
But here's what an emotional <laughs> trust fall is. It is trusting someone in your family with the craziest, deepest, darkest emotional truth that you're experiencing right now. And I, the best place I've seen this kind of dramatizes in the show, This Is Us. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this because I think it's such a mm. brilliant little practice. In, and that is that Beth and Randall, uh, Beth and Randall here, they, uh, they do this thing where when they start to freak out about something, they say, okay, worst case scenario. And they just let their minds go to the worst place and they say it out loud. And I think that's an emotional trust fall. That is to say, I am trusting you, my family, my family with my greatest fear in this situation. And, And there's no like solving it. There's no saying, well, we can navigate that. It's just trusting one another with it. And then the opposite side of that, not just being the one to do the trust fall, to speak it out, but then to absorb those fears. Mm-hmm. To absorb that suffering. And in doing that, we take on the suffering of someone else, which is so much like living in the image of Christ. Mm. This like wonderful language that in Christ, all the sin of the world. And, and again, I, don't, I do not hold that sin is just this moral corruption, that sin is something that uh, there was a rule I was supposed to follow. I could follow it. I chose not to. Now I've sinned. I think sin is fracturing and brokenness and pain and hurt and fear. And so we can actually take that sin, the pain, anything that God doesn't want for us, right? I can take that on and help shoulder that burden. And that's, I think, what that emotional trust fall is. And then I think third way we can actually uh, trust God and people is to practice positive assumptions. Mm -hmm. This one I love. This is hard. And so by positive assumption, I mean when something goes wrong or something doesn't go the way we think it is. Wrong is such a dual term. But when something doesn't go as we think it should, Make a positive assumption. So if you don't believe that God is working the way you believe God should, you can take that to God, but have a positive assumption that God is working and you don't understand it maybe. Bring a positive assumption to your family. So here's how I'm trying to live this out during this season. I do, I do like what Jim says here too. If we only use the cleaning product of God when things are dirty, we're missing the power of everyday cleaning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's good, Jim. That is good. Preach. That's good. I love it. And so I, I, our positive assumption of things is, is this idea that here's how I'm trying to live this out in my house. So we have kind of a, a pretty big like value that you clean up after yourself. Like we do not have a housekeeper. Nobody comes in. Like, so we have, you manage your space in shared spaces. If you get a dish out, you clean it, you put it in the dishwasher. And so it's not uncommon in our house for you to hear whose dish is this, mm. right? And, and that means... If it's your dish, come take care of it. And I've kind of come to this space that during this season, I'm going to bring positive assumptions that if I see a dish sitting around, if I see something left out, I'm just going to assume that that person was in the middle of something and I'm going to take care of it myself. And I'm going to live into this grace of positive assumptions. Now, I have to say, if there's an egregious like just complete lack of care for the community of our family, I will in all gentleness say, come, my beloved, let's reason together. Why would you leave this out on the counter? But for the most part, I've just decided that I'm going to live into not holding one another to this high level of personal responsibility, which I think is important, but I'm just going to assume positive things. 
And that will create a space, I think, in our home during this season where we can just remove a little bit of the edge, right? Yeah, and I think while we're in tight quarters and the kids are doing their schoolwork, Mike is working from home, I'm working from home. Mm. You know, I think we're apologizing even more than usual yeah. to each other because we're all home. Yeah, there's a lot more opportunity for the yeah. need for grace. <laughs> right. You know, because there's just, there's a lot flying around the house right now, huh. <laughs> you know? And how can we just not take ourselves too seriously? You know, believe the best in one another. And it matters, right? Like this idea of trusting one another matters because there's some things that we all want our homes to be filled with right now, especially right now. And there's things that we all want our relationship with God to be filled with, namely joy, peace, and confidence. And when we lean into trust, we practice trust, it leads to these things. Like you can't actually go out and I'm going to get joy, right? I'm going to go and work towards peace. You actually, you come into these things in a roundabout way. It's like Jesus, when he says, whoever wants to save their life has to lose it. Like the only way you save your life is by giving it up. And I think the only way you gain these things like joy, peace, and confidence is by leaning into trusting God with things, trusting people with things and saying, okay, it's, it's all right if somebody lets me down because I'm not trusting them for, like I'm not trusting someone for my emotional health. I'm not trusting someone for my financial health. I'm trusting them with things. Mm -hmm. And I can now walk through that. So as we kind of wrap things up, as we kind of move to a, a time of just personal reflection and consideration, what is it that God is inviting you into today? And there's some things on those uh, conversation notes that you could look at and explore. One of which is make a list of five things that I will trust God with during this season of uncertainty, right? And there's a space you can actually list that. Uh, maybe you want to have an emotional trust fall with your family today. Maybe you have a friend you want to get on a Zoom or a Skype or a FaceTime call and just let's do it. Let's do this. Like worst case scenario. And we just... We, we allow our fears to fall into somebody else's care, uh, into somebody else's life, and we take that on. So this is a great opportunity. If you haven't yet, fill out that digital connect card. Uh, we want to make sure that we get connected with everybody, and it just lets us know that uh, and who particularly was there today. You can uh, request an appointment with a care minister. They're available for phone and video appointments. You can list prayer requests, and we're getting those prayer requests, and our care ministers are praying for those. I would love for you to do that. And this is a great opportunity right now. Please, uh, we're receiving our offering just like we would during our any time we had gathered together. So this is a great opportunity to give generously to support one another. Our ministries are still moving forward. Our staff is working hard. Uh, we are doing, our, doing amazing things to equip the church in this season. And I want to thank you for your generous giving last week. I want to thank those of you that are so used to coming and being in person and writing that check out and it's for you, an act of worship, and it brings joy to you. Thank you very much. You can use those offering envelopes. Uh, put that right in the mail. It comes here. Go right online. You can give there through um, our website. And uh, we just want to say thank you for continuing your generosity in this season and this time to propel the ministries forward of our church. So as we kind of wrap up, we've got a great song for you to just consider next steps. Get your Connect card filled out. Go to that online giving and uh, we hope you have an amazing week. During this song, just allow the spirit of God to nudge you in a direction. Allow God to speak to you and have an amazing Sunday.